Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are so gracious and you are so kind. First of all, I thank you that helping us was your idea. Amen. We're not here begging you for help. It was actually your idea to create us. It was your idea to redeem us after sin. And it was your idea to help us every single day. And so, Father, I pray that our eyes would be flooded with light and our ears would be open with understanding and our hearts would be open so we can see the help you have already provided. Yes. Forgive us for the times that we've minimized your help, that we thought the word was too small, that we thought prayer was too small that we thought the principles were too small to bring victory in our lives. We set ourselves to be an obedient people. We see, we hear, we understand, we are healed and we are converted. Now, Father, we thank you that you said that anytime we teach the word, there will be signs yes. confirming. So we thank you for the supernatural signs, the peace, the deliverance, the favor that is coming to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, I absolutely love the fact that you started us off this morning with Proverbs 24, because it's, it, it goes, it actually um, is a, a, a word for me. Um, you know, when he says that if you fail in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. And I was thinking on this week, I had a, I had a couple people reach out to me, uh, some of them new partners to uh, FOC, and, and they were just talking about how much they've enjoyed um, the broadcast and being with the ministry, but they kept saying this thing that people used to say years and years ago about how tough it was because when we preach, we always talk about personal accountability or we, we don't, we don't just preach a nice little word and, and, and or just tell people everything's going to be okay. Then we, we, in, in essence, what they said is you keep telling us all this stuff we have to do. And that's hard for me. And, and I felt that same pressure from back in 2000 and 2001 and two and three and four and five, about a five year stretch where people, I don't know if they knew they were saying it, but people said it so much about how hard it was at that time to go to abundant life. And, and I just started thinking, man, you know, you, you, you look around in the kingdom and the reality of it is, the reality of it is that in the kingdom, people are doing all kinds of things to grow their ministry. Uh, and one of the things that if you do anything about church growth, the thing they keep telling you is you got to shorten your message. You got to focus on the children's ministry. You got to focus on the, on the music ministry. But you got to you got to stop the, the the word so much. And I just started thinking, you know, I'd rather not have a ministry than to shortchange the people on what I know is going to change your life. Because singing is great. It is motivational. Uh, having a children's ministry where kids love to come because it looks like Nickelodeon is great. But the thing that's going to allow you not to fail in the days of adversity and not have your strength be small is the word of God. And so I started thinking and I was reading on this week and I wanted to share this scripture before we get started about why we do what we do, because we have a lot of new people. We have a lot of new people who uh, who, who are watching us every week, people who have committed to be partners of the ministry, and they haven't heard all of the stuff that we said from, from, from 10, 15 years ago. But one of the scriptures we used to hold on to all the time was in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. And I want to read it to you because when, when we're putting things in the group during the week and we're telling you that we're praying for you and we're telling you to make this declaration and we're saying these things to you, it's, we're not doing that because we don't have anything else to do. We're doing it because we've been told by God to instruct his people so that they don't come up lacking and that we have a responsibility in doing that, even if it would be easier to do something else. And so here's what it says in Ezekiel 3.16. It says, and it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, 
I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. This is the Lord talking to Ezekiel. He says, therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. And I think this is the thing that has always been true of you and I in ministry is that God always seems, sometimes I've asked, why us? But he's always given us this push to warn people uh, about what's coming, to warn people about their behavior, to warn people about their speech, to warn people about what they're doing so that they can they can make it through these adverse times. He says, give them warning for me. He says, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. He says, and you do not give them warning and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. He said that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. And when we look up that word wicked, you know, wicked don't just mean you out there just uh, doing uh, the most evil of things you can think of. That word wicked means twisted. to be twisted. So if there are people and you and you are doing things that are twisted, you trying to live in the world and live in the kingdom. You trying to get prosperity, but but not through God's system. You trying to 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 find love and to love, but not doing it God's way. It's twisted. It's wicked. And he says, it is your job. I have called you to warn them. He says, and if you don't do your job because it doesn't allow you to be as popular, or if you don't do your job because people get mad at you when you do it, or you don't do your job because you think you could grow your ministry, or which is supposed to be my ministry, but if you could grow your ministry by, by doing something different than I've told you, he said, not only will the people who you've been called to end up dying in their iniquity he says but their blood is going to be required at your hand he says he says but yet if you warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way then he shall still die in his iniquity he says but thou hast delivered thy soul and i was reading that i was thinking well we know our soul is our mind will emotions imagination and intellect you and i've had so many conversations about how it would just be so easy to just stop telling people stuff you just 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 let people live how they want to live let people do what they want to do you know and then we wouldn't have to get the the fallback from people saying we're trying to control their life or people trying to say we're trying to uh, uh be too serious it, it take we we act like it take all of that but you know i started thinking this week that even if we preach this message to thousands and only one person turn we've done what god asked us to do we have done what god asked us to do so the enemy all this week was trying to get me to get off of this topic of resiliency. It was like, all right, move on. You've talked about it for three weeks. You know, go on, move on, move on, do something different. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. We are going to stick with this resiliency message because there are people who need to hear it because we know that coming down the line, they're going to need to do exactly what you said in Proverbs 24 and 10, which is they're going to have to have their faith to not fail them in the day of adversity so that their strength doesn't end up being small. That's really good. You should have told me that this week. Okay. <laughs> no, you should have told me that this week. Because, listen, let me tell you something. Here are a couple of things, and I want to say it to encourage you and to speak to the people out here. Number one, the question is not whether you want to build a big church. It's whether you want to advance the kingdom. That's right. That's, that's, the, that's the a legitimate do, question. Do, do you want to build a big church, yep. or do you want to advance the kingdom? And there are people who have connected with us from all over the country, but there are people who have been walking with us for 20 something years. Here's the question that you got to ask yourself. Do you want to just go and have a hype service and not have any understanding of what to do in the week? 
or do you are you willing to sit down and grow up so that when money problems mm -hmm. show up when fun and family problems show up when job problems show up when the lies of the enemy show up you actually know what to do to get to get victory yes we have too many believers in the kingdom who literally don't even know how to stand when the enemy punches them in their face and and, and was it muhammad ali who said was, what is it it's mike tyson he says everybody got a plan everybody get get got a plan until they get knocked in the face mm -hmm. till they get hit in the face understand this when you accept jesus as your personal savior the enemy does not say oh sean accepted jesus now i'm done moving fooling with her right he says, oh, you know what? Sean accepted Jesus. Let me do everything I can to make her think that God is a liar. Everything I can to get her to operate in her flesh. Everything I can to get her to be on her way to heaven, but live in hell. Mm -hmm. And there are so many believers that if they would tell the truth, they love Jesus, but they live in hell, the mm -hmm. torment of their mind. They don't have any money. They're sick in their body. They know how to can't take good pictures with their marriage, with their partner, but they're not actually happy. We are here for something greater yes. to teach a group of people who want to know how to walk in love. To live because, by but, faith. But, but, yes. but, but let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that the apostle John, he identified himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm. If you study biblical history, John was so full of the love of God that he was the only apostle they could not kill. Yeah. They tried to kill him. Yeah. They boiled him in oil and he came out of the oil without a burn. That is how he ended yeah. up oh on my, the Isle of Patmos yeah. because they couldn't kill him. And they couldn't kill him. See, love is not this weak, this lily liver, take anything, accept anything. It literally is the power that makes God, God. So when we talk about walking in love, we talking about walking in power mm -hmm. that literally when the enemy comes to kill you, he can't because you're so encompassed yes. in love that you like the apostle John, that they have to send you away to an island. And even then you're still encountering Jesus. <laughs> the love of God made John resilient. The love of God made <laughs> they John resilient. They couldn't even kill him. Yeah. Go study your Bible history. Yeah. They boiled this man in oil and he came out out of the oil without a mark. Mm -hmm. They boiled him in oil. Yep. Understand, you are probably never going to get put in natural oil. Right. But what about the oil that the enemy tries to build? Do you have enough love, enough power to be able to come out without a scratch? Mm, then it. it says, we walk by faith. Mm. We walk because we so know the love of God, because we've so encountered the love of God that we believe what God said, even when it doesn't look like yes. it. Even when it doesn't look like it, we're so committed to what he said. And one of the reasons I said to a young man yesterday, I said, you don't have a faith problem. You have a love problem. Yeah. How, most of you hear me. You do not have the reason you aren't resilient. is not that you have a faith problem. You have a love problem because yeah. the Bible says faith works by love. Mm -hmm. So when you don't know his love, it's hard to trust what he says. Right. Right. So we says this ministry, that may seem like a cute little saying, but we're here teaching people how to walk in love, how to be powerful people because we're so entrenched in yeah. God's love. Number two, how to be a faithful people. We're so persuaded of what God says that the only outcome for us is to walk in prosperity 
in every area of life. Every area. Prosperity is not just money. It is abundance. It's the God kind of life. So we're going to have the God kind of mm -hmm. marriage, the God kind of money, the God kind of family, the God kind of career. Yes. So we can't do that in a seven minute message with two jokes. Right. And we're unapologetic for it because when we get the testimonies, and I know that onboarding to Fellowship of Champions can be challenging. It can be challenging. It can be it can. challenging. It can. But you know what's more challenging? Getting punched in your face. Yes. Yes. And living that way. And living, living that a way. life of being punched in the face. Living a life. Till it becomes so normal that you don't even care that you're getting punched in the face yes. anymore. Yes. That's what's tough. That's what's tough. So we're here to say we know it can be tough, but I guarantee you this. If you will stick with the word, if you will stick with the word, if you will be faithful, if you will develop the resiliency, mm -hmm. literally the things that are, I love what Kim Jansen just said. Yeah. She said, you got to choose your heart. You got to choose it. Are you going to choose the heart or yep. keep getting sucker punched, keep running out of money, yep. keep ending up in bad relationships that break your heart? Or are you going to choose the heart to learn how to discipline yourself? Yep. Because champions are built, baby. Yep. Yep. And this word is designed to build you up yep. so that when life comes at you fast, you move faster. And life comes fast. And life, life comes fast. Life come and fast. so I want you, Pastor Edward, to understand that I know that people say that and they're like, it's it's hard. You know, I get that. And because you are a teacher, you really want people to get it. But to water this down, we've seen the testimonies yeah. over the pandemic of people who said, we didn't know how to walk by faith. We didn't know what to do when trouble came. We didn't really know how to fix our marriage. But because of the way you guys have taught us, we are changed. If you're a person who's been changed as a result of this ministry, put it in the comments. If you've grown up, if you've shifted, if you're seeing things that used to wear you out, not move you in the same way, put it in the comments. Because if you are going to be who God has called you to be, in your own life and then go snatch somebody else out of the devil's grip you gotta be a resilient That's person right. you do you have to be a resilient you gotta person. be a resilient person i used to teach this all the time you can't be a faith punk mm -hmm. you can't be a person who god tells you something and then you get slapped in the face and now you lay down you gotta be a person who says i am willing to stick with god and i'm gonna see what god said even when it doesn't look like because i'm resilient amen I'm resilient. Amen. Come on. You ought to say that. You ought to say, I'm resilient, baby. I'm resilient. So that's what I wanted to say. And I, and I think that's great. You know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. And we're going to we're gonna keep doing it because you're right. Resilient And resiliency is not this. I, I love how you said it. It's not this thing we're trying to do through willpower. We're talking about who are we in Christ so that we can recognize that in Christ we have been made resilient. In the same way we've been made righteous, mm -hmm. if not something that we did, when we are in Christ, he literally makes us resilient. But we have to become aware of what he's doing. Come on. And when we become aware of what he's done, then we can tap into that identity. It's like you always say, we allow God to reintroduce us to ourselves. Well, when we get born again, we're so new. We don't know who we are. We don't know, we who, don't we know are. who we are. And so, and so when we get born again in Christ... This kind of teaching is necessary so we walk people through to who they are. Absolutely. So let's just recap a little bit of what we talked about last last week. Uh, the first thing we said is we said that uh, being born again does not exempt you from life's challenges. Amen. I think that is something that every believer 
must understand if you walk into this thing that you're not going to have any problems you're not going to have any issues that everything is just supposed to always work out and always be okay you are literally setting yourself up for failure wouldn't you say absolutely because you are born again but you still live in a world that is plagued with sin and as a result the bible even calls the uh calls satan the the prince of the air or the god of this world and so we know that he is actively at work. The Bible says that, we, that you and I have an adversary. That means there is someone who's wanting us to not live the way God intended for us to live. Mm -hmm. And so being born again doesn't exempt you of all those challenges. Or I like the way you say it. Sometimes you say being born again doesn't exempt us from life circumstances, which is absolutely true. We're going to have, we're going to experience grief. We're going to experience uh, despair. We're going to experience uh, sadness and disappointment. But that doesn't mean we have to lay in that spot and stay there. Absolutely. That is the difference between us and them. We are born again. We have been engineered to overcome life challenges. Amen. And in fact, we even read last week a scripture, John 16 and 33 in the Amplified, that says just that. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, listen, I have told you all these things so that in me you might have perfect peace. That, that we know that word peace means shalom. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, in the world, you're going to have what? Tribulation, Tribulation and distress, distress and, and suffering. suffering. He said, but be courageous. And I like that word courageous, especially after you read Proverbs 24 this morning. He says, be courageous. What does it mean to be courageous? He says, be confident, be undaunted, and be filled with joy. He says, for I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished and my victory, victory abiding. He says, so even when it seems like you're not winning, you're still winning. He says, if you're in me, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like, you're still winning. You know, and I was thinking about if you, I don't watch boxing a lot, but I, I watch it enough to kind of keep up with what's going on with the, with the main events. But if you're in a boxing uh, match and, and they have what's called rounds in boxing, you could be losing the first five rounds and then you could score a knockout. <laughs> and even though you lost the first five rounds because you got the right lick in and knocked the person out, you win. All we have to do is stay in each round. If we don't quit, we don't give up, don't we don't cave in. in during the round, I'm telling you, God's got a knockout available for us. One of the things that I wonder if people understand, mm -hmm. which is that the enemy hates humans he does i don't feel like believers understand i don't that. think we think about it i don't think we think about it in those terms so talk the, about the that. enemy hates human beings why does he hate human beings he hates human beings because human beings are created in the image of god mm -hmm. they are the very thing that satan wanted to be i said we are what he desired we are what he desired mm -hmm. and god said no that's not your role that is their role. Mm -hmm. So literally, he goes about the earth seeking who he can pull down to yep, his, to his level, level. right? Yes. He goes to see who he can pull down to his level. Yep. And here's the thing. How does he do it? He uses our flesh. Yes. You got to understand this. You are drawn away. I am drawn away by the lust of my own mm -hmm. flesh. That's what the Bible tells yep. us. So the Bible says that since we've been born again, our spirit is new. Our spirit is made like God. 
but our flesh still has that sin propensity mm -hmm. in it. I don't care how dope you think you are. And some of you, you got caught up because you were foolish enough yeah. not to understand this. Yeah. Your flesh still has a propensity to sin. It will, which is what the Bible says. You have to crucify it daily. You got to crucify your flesh daily. Yes. So in you, you got a war going on. Mm -hmm. You got the God part of you that is like, listen here. You are born again. You are filled with my spirit. You are new. You are an overcomer. And you got your flesh that says, I want to do what I want to do. I want to love who I want to love. I want to touch what I want to touch. I want to spend my money like I want to spend my money. And I want to go the way I want to go. Many people are trying to have resilience towards other people. They haven't developed resilience in their own mm -hmm. selves, right? So you don't understand that the enemy will use you to kill yourself. Yes, he'll use How you will he use you. you to kill yourself? The enemy will use your flesh to get you to eat yourself yep, to death. He will. Literally, you've been diagnosed with diabetes, yep. but the enemy will cause you to crave sugar in such a way that if you don't crucify your flesh, you literally will use sugar and kill yourself. Yep. High blood pressure, sex, cigarettes, whatever, depression, all of those things. And I think that this is so important to understand that when we're talking about being resilient, we are not ignoring that in the natural, you can have circumstances. Yes. We are not ignoring that in the natural. I say this to people all the time. I am not saying that depression is not a real thing. I am saying to you that when they tell you that depression is a chemical imbalance, they are telling you the truth. Yes. Because when you think a thought, you release a chemical, yep. that chemical triggers a feeling. Yep. So the imbalance is coming from within. Mm. So when the, when the enemy comes and tries to tell you, you don't have a reason to live, you don't have a reason to make it, you shouldn't be here. Number one, you have to know that regardless to how you feel at that moment, all he can do is lie. That's all he can do. All he can if do he is lie. If he said it, it's a lie. So if he said it, it's a lie. Put this in the comments. Say, if the enemy said it, it's a lie. Yep. If the enemy said it, it's a lie. So now the resilience comes that when it would be easier for you to just lay in bed and pull the cover over your head, that you purpose and you say, I'm going to sit up on side of this bed and I'm going to make some faith yep. confessions. Yep. And when your soul says to you, it's not working, you say, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And you begin to build internal strength and fortitude. You begin to develop the internal strength and fortitude that when the enemy says to you, if you tithe, you go be here with no mm -hmm. lights on. And you say, well, so what? I'll burn candles. But what I'm not going to do... That is the building of resilience that no one else can do for you. No one else can do that for you. Well, and that's so powerful because resiliency is not just how do I bounce back from a setback? Resiliency is also how do I overcome in the midst in of the a, midst. in the midst of, in a the midst of a setback? Because the reality of it is, it's almost it's 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 like, and I'm gonna use this this uh, this example. If if you buy stock, right? And, and you buy stock at a certain price and the price goes down, you actually haven't lost money until you sell it. When you sell it at a lower price, you've lost money. Well, when you're in the midst of a fight, you haven't lost the fight unless you give up. Unless you give unless up. Unless you give up, you unless haven't you lost the fight. And so resiliency allows you to, to stand firm 
in the midst of, of, the, of, the, of the turmoil, or, or in this case, in the midst of the market going up and down, if you were talking about a stock. I was thinking this morning, I was thinking about resiliency, and I know we titled this about overcoming um, setbacks and things like that, but the reality of it is, is that you're, you're, you're spot on, because resiliency is how do I respond when God says no? Am I resilient enough to say, okay, God said no, even though I'm disappointed, I'm sticking with God. Or am I going to wallow in this thing about how God said no, and now I can't go, and now I can't do it, and God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't love me, and everybody else gets to do it, and I can't, and, and all of this other stuff? Or are you going to develop the thing on the inside of you that says the moment God says no, I say no. The moment God says yes, I say yes. The moment God says go left, I go left. I'm resilient enough to 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 suppress my fleshly desires and obey God. I'm going to obey I'm God. I'm going to obey God. I, and, and one of the reasons that this ministry can be challenging is that at the end of the day, it is not that we don't understand that the flesh's desire to do its own thing because we battle with it too. It's that we're never going to make it easy for you to disobey God because on the other side of that, the price is high. And we have to remember what he told us in Ezekiel 3.16. If we don't warn you, then, then, then we're as culpable in your failure as you, as, as you are. So our job, we love you, but we, we got to honor God first. And in honoring God first, we have to teach this this way. We have to teach it this way. And in reality, we've got to challenge the people of God to grow up because this is what I keep saying. Y'all, there's still too many people who not saved. Yes. It's still too many people who sick. It's still too many people who are bound. And the see, resiliency is a core component to growing up. And the Bible says that when you ought to be eating meat, you're still drinking milk. That is not the ability to dissect scripture at high level. Right. That is about the ability to be all in with God. Mm -hmm. And the reason that some of you may struggle to be resilient is because you've never been all in with God to begin mm -hmm. with, which is why if you noticed over the last several months, I've been like, come home. Do you need to rededicate your life? Did you come to Christ in the mm -hmm. wrong way? Because the challenge for so many of you is because you don't have that first step of this ministry to walk in love. Mm. You don't know that God loves you so that when God says no to you, you think he's trying to be mean. When God says, don't date the person, don't take the job, don't buy the car, don't move into the city, you think he's trying to be mean. Can somebody put this in the comments? God has no interest in being mean to me. God has no interest in being mean to me. If God wanted to be mean, he could have given us all what we deserve, not sent Jesus, and let us take the full brunt of our sin. Yeah. God is not interested in being mean to me. So when God says yes, when God says no, when God says hold on, it is all because of his love for me. Yep. Do I have faith in his love that anchors me and allows me to be resilient even when it's not popular? Heck, even when it's not what I want to do. Right, right. Because I think that's the other thing people miss about resilience. Everything God tells you to do is not going to be something that you head over heels turning flips about doing. That's right. Sometimes I made a post yesterday and I believe that this is, a, I, I believe this is foundational to what we're talking about. I talked about how when you love someone, you do stuff for them you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. 
I know you do stuff for me you don't want to do. Sure. You do stuff for me you don't want to do. Um, I've gone to movies that I really didn't want to go to right. because I, I want to. because you wanted to, yep. and I wanted to be with you. Yep. You gotta ask yourself what kind of relationship you have with the Lord if you can never do anything just because He asked you to. Yep. Because if I, uh, one of the one of the ladies in my program yesterday, she said, "I dated a man who loved foreign films. I hated foreign films." She said, "But I took my stuff up in there and sat in them foreign and films, read them subtitles. and read them mm -hmm. subtitles. Why? Because love compels us." to do things we would normally naturally want to do. So if your relationship with God doesn't constrain you to do some things you don't want to do, to not do some things you don't want to do, you're missing the foundational component of what it takes to be resilient. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things we said last week was that one of the key things that resilient people can do is that resilient people learn how to look past the troubles. And when I say troubles, I don't just mean natural troubles. I mean, resilient people learn to look past the idea of, okay, I don't really want to do this and be able to do it and to do it with a good attitude because they know of what it means for the person you're doing it for. So, so it would be easier for us to do something different, but we love God so much. All we can really do is the way he asked us to do it because we love him that much. You know, and it's really one of those things we talked about last week when we looked at Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3, if you actually read the whole book of Habakkuk, you'll find out that Habakkuk basically goes to God in chapter 1. And he basically says, God, I don't understand. You know, we're your people and you got all of this sin and all this stuff happening. Everything's coming against us, you know, and, and, and you got all of these people who are not your people doing all these things. about What you going to do about it? And in the second chapter of Habakkuk, you find out that God responds to Habakkuk by saying, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm going to use these particular people to destroy the people doing the sin. And Habakkuk was like, wait a minute. How are you going to use somebody who's not even in our family to come destroy the family? And then in chapter three, after they go through this dialogue in chapter one, chapter two, in chapter three, Habakkuk finally gets the revelation. Finally gets he it. finally gets the revelation. And he says, listen, in verse 17, he says, although the fig tree shall not blossom and neither shall there be fruit in the vine. He said, hey, the labor of the olive shall fail. He said, in the field shall yield no meat. He says, in, he said, the flock shall be cut off from the fold. He says, there shall be no herds in the stall. But, I, but he came to himself and he says, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Lord. He says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will joy in the God of my deliverance. And at that point, that's when God was like, aha, now you got it. Now you got now it. You got it. If you can only praise me when I'm doing it the way you want me to do it, when like you can only praise me when you think it's going to work out on your benefit, when you can only praise me because you want to have the last say, he said, that's not real praise. He said, but when you can have a yet will I praise you mentality, he said, now you become a candidate to receive what I have for you because you're resilient enough to take it the way I want to give it to you. Amen. And I just, Amen. I, I, I just think it's a wonderful, Amen. it's a wonderful, wonderful revelation that we don't get to pick how God blesses us. We don't get to pick how God delivers us. We don't get to pick how God rescues us. When you call out for a rescue, it would be like someone being in, in the water and they need to be rescued. And you say, hey, sit, throw me one of those little round floaties. And they go, no, 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 we're going to throw you a rope. And you go, no, I don't want that rope. I'm just going to drown if you don't throw me a floaty. All you want to do is to be rescued. How you get rescued should be of no consequence. 
And many just times, come, what, get what, just come get come me. Come get me. And so my thing coming? is, God, just come get me. However you want to get me, come and get me. But so many times we get our minds made up about how it's supposed to work. And then when it doesn't show up that way, we don't have the resiliency to say, you know what? I just want I, I just want you to come get me. However you come do it. I love what you said when you said resilient people look past their troubles and put their mind on Christ. Mm. In reality, and this is what, you know, I love the part of the work that causes us to be self-reflective mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Many of us, we don't believe God or anyone else loves us unless they're doing exactly what we want them to the do. Way we want the them way we want them to do it. The way we want them to do it. The way we want them to do it. Because you right? can literally feed your kids, but if you don't feed them where they wanted to eat from, they don't think you love them. <laughs> I mean, that's just an example, but people pe- people do it all the time. They do it to their, they do it to everybody. And then they, and then they don't understand why it is that in turn, we turn around and do that to God. Well, it's a mark of immaturity because think about it. This which if you got little kids, the Marlowe's, they have little kids, right? You know, when you have little kids, you can get up and you can say, listen here, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to go have some fun. Listen, I'm going to get you Chick-fil-A for breakfast. I'm going to take you to the bouncy house, to the park, to whatever, right? I'm going to take you by Target and you can get one toy. Now, you've done all of that and on the way home, they want ice cream. Mm -hmm. And then you say, no, well, you can't have ice cream because we've done all this stuff. And now they're like, you'll never do nothing I want to do. You'll never do nothing I want to do, right? And literally, we need to understand this is how, see, because we get resilience from God. Mm-hmm. This is how resilient God is. God says, if you make your bed in hell, you literally went and did the thing I told mm-hmm. you not to do. You dated the person I told you not mm-hmm. to date. You got, the, you spent the money that I told you not to spend. You moved to the city that I told you not to send to. You made your bed in hell. And there I will be in hell working you out. But literally, we will create our own hell with disobedience. Tell your neighbor, say the surefire way to create hell is to disobey God. Mm-hmm. The surefire way to create hell is to disobey mm-hmm. God. And we will create our own hell. Then get mad at God and say that he don't, we don't understand why he did this to us when we are right, when he's right there with yes. us trying to work us out. Yes. But because we so lack resilience and we don't understand his heart. And I love what um Kim said. She said big kids act like that too. I don't want to just say big kids like teenagers. Some of us 40-year-old kids. 50-year-old kids, 60-year-old kids that literally are still fighting against God and then wondering why the enemy has such authority over you. And the surefire way to create hell is to disobey God. Mm -hmm. So a resilient people, they are also a people who are committed to being an obedient people. In the kingdom, there is no resilience without obedience. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this. What do the mindsets? What are the Mm, mindsets? Because there is a mindset. You need to know the mentality so you can judge yourself to see whether you have Mm -hmm. it, right? Number one, three mentalities of resilient people. They have a challenge mentality. Mm -hmm. Resilient people, we view, you notice how I included myself in that? We. We view difficulty as a challenge not a paralyzing event that's so important we view a challenge we view trouble a difficulty as a challenge not a paralyzing event Mm -hmm. challenges do not paralyze us that's right that's right and we're gonna have them because we know that being born again doesn't exempt us from yes 
And what we do is we look at our failures, we look at our mistakes as lessons to be learned from and opportunities of growth, right? When we commit to our relationships, our friendships, the causes that we care about, oh, I read the wrong notes, my bad, sorry. It says we don't view them as a negative reflection of our own ability of self-worth. And I really want to speak to this one right here in this challenge mentality right here. One of the things that happens for a lot of people because you don't have a resilient mindset when you blow it. And let me help you. You will blow it growing mm -hmm. up in the things of God. You will blow it. I don't care how much you love him. You go think he told you to do something that he didn't tell you to do. You go not do it the way that he told you to do it. And sometimes you just go flat out ignore it. As you are growing and becoming, you are going to blow it. Mm -hmm. But when people blow it, what they do is that they begin to identify their failure as them being failures. Right. And then they get into that self-pitying language where they begin to use words like always and never. Mm -hmm. I always mess up. No one ever loves me. No one ever chooses me. God never comes through for me. And when you get into that mentality, when you hear yourself saying stuff like that, you should already know you have left the challenge mentality and you are in the self-pity mentality. And in the self-pity mentality, all you can get is more pity, but you cannot get power to walk That's right. out. That's right. Are you doing a second one or you want me to do my own? Okay. All right. Then the next one is the commitment mentality. Resilient people are committed and dedicated to live their lives through a compelling why. Now, you may not know your compelling why, but so I'm going to give everybody on this broadcast the same compelling why. Why do we do what we do to please God? Mm -hmm. How about that? That's your compelling why. You didn't know what your compelling why. It's not a house. It's not a car. It's not that your name being lights. It is to please God. What is the compelling why? So resilient people in the kingdom, we are committed and dedicated to live our lives through a compelling why. What's our why? To please God. God. Mm -hmm. Our desire is to please God. That's why we go where he tells us to go. That's why we do what he tells us yep. to do. That's why we don't do what he tells us not to do. That's why we say what he tells us to say. That's why we give the way he tells us to give. That's why we fast the way that he tells us to fast. That's why we rest when he tells us to rest. Why? Because our compelling why is to believe God. And, and, the, and the underlying foundation to that is really what we say this ministry is all about teaching people how to do what walk, walk in love. love if you don't understand god's love for you it is hard to have that compelling why you can have that compelling why with such conviction because you've taken the time to study god's love that is the reason we tell people it's important for you to not only say you love god but it is more important for you to understand how much he loves you because when you understand how much he loves you, that why becomes easy. That why becomes or, or becomes easier, easier in times of great difficulty. It becomes easier to stick to well, that Can I why. ask you a question? You're mm -hmm. a teacher and yep. you don't want us to move on, right? So here's the question I want to ask you. How is it that a people who believe in the crucifixion still struggle to believe God loves them? Because most people believe in the crucifixion as a rescue moment. I was, he died for me. Mm. So now I don't have to go to hell. And once I put a period after that, I, everything else is inconsequential. He died for me. Woo, I'm glad he did it. In the same way that, and that's how people receive blessings. Ooh, you think, ooh, child, you bless me. Thank you. And they don't think about it anymore. 
because they're self-focused, they're selfish, they're thinking about what it is for me. And so that's why, but that's the reason why we say he's not just savior. If he's just savior for you, that's great for you, but you have no compelling why to do what's hard when he asks you to. Because he's he just he that's just good. he's just he's just savior. But when he's Lord, then that's a different thing. When you look at uh, at, at, at you know medieval times and when they had knights and all those people, right? Mm -hmm. When 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 someone of a higher stature walked in, what did they do? They kneeled, they bowed. Those people weren't their savior, but what were they? They were their lords. They were the people who were over them. And when they were over them, they, they showed reverence. If you don't make Jesus ah. your Lord, there is no reverence. Ah. And if there is no reverence, there is no compelling reason to show honor. And you show honor to your Lord by obeying. Mm. There, there's, there's no, there's no uh, reason to do that. If you don't see Jesus as Lord, and I think most people see Jesus as Savior, but they don't see Him as Lord. Oh, that's Christian. Lord hits different. Lord hits different. It does. No, I love what you said. Is that when He is Lord, I bow my knee. Mm -hmm. When He's Lord, I bow my knee. So we we can another way of self reflection. You can measure how, the Lordship that He has in your life by how you respond when He gives you an instruction. Mm -hmm. All right. And so then the personal control mentality, resilient people spend their time focusing on situations and events that they have control over, not the ones they don't. That's right. Resilient people spend their time and energy focused on situations and events that they have control over and not the ones they don't. When I first started doing Mindset Monday, I would notice that whenever I was teaching about something, people would want to refer to someone else. So if I was teaching, mm -hmm. it would be like, oh, well, Edwin really need to get this. You know what I'm saying? And I started to say to them, worry about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like the meme says, not really mm -hmm. worry, but focus on yourself. So how, how do you know that you don't have a personal control mentality? If you say statements like this, you don't have a personal control mentality. If I say Edwin made me mad, I am not a person who exercises personal control. Mm -hmm. If I say they made me do it, they lured me into sin, they tricked me when I won't take responsibility. If, if, if for example, if um, there are different times, especially when we all used to go out to eat and there would be different times that we would be going out to eat and we would be on different plans when we were going out to eat. Mm -hmm. Well, if we went to Logan's or we went to Col Colton's during a time when we weren't eat when I wasn't eating bread and I chose to eat the bread, personal control says I need to own that I chose to eat the bread. It's not y'all fault. It's not the store, the restaurant's fault because they bought piping hot bread out with butter. It's my responsibility to manage what I should be doing. And so many people aren't resilient because they put everything on someone else. They don't manage their own thinking, feeling cycle, and they don't take any personal responsibility for where they are. For example, people say, my boss doesn't like me, right? But they won't be honest and say your boss doesn't like you because you don't finish your assignments on time. And, and, and personal control mentality says, I can't worry about how my boss feels. What I can worry about is did I complete my assignment? Did I complete my, with did, excellence? Did I complete my assignment with excellence? That's what you can control. This personal control mentality says, hey, I can't, I can't, 
I can't spend my time focused on all these other external things I can't control. What I spend my time on is what I can control. What can I control? In your example, I can control whether I eat the bread or not. I can't control whether or not other people at the table are eating because I'm not eating bread right now. Other people are. So if you don't want to go, then you control yourself by not going. Or you go and you say, that's just not what I'm eating right now. You worry about yourself. You worry and about yourself. And if you choose to eat it, you don't blame them for not yes. making your goal. Yes. You own it yourself. I chose to come off my diet. I chose not to work with excellence because I don't like how my boss treats me. Mm -hmm. I choose not to walk in love with my husband because I don't like how he's engaging with me. It's not their fault. I am making this choice. Say I have the power to choose. I have the power to choose. I have the power to choose. And then the thing we said last week, again, was that we have this particular tactics that, that um, people who are resilient use. And we said the people who are resilient use three main tactics to build or to enrich their resiliency. We said that they use something called permanence, they use something called pervasiveness, and they use something called personalization. And I, I, I put those in the group uh, last week after we finished teaching. I put them in every group on every page that we had, so I won't go through those this morning. But you need to understand that people who use these tactics, these tactics are like tools. They're like tools. And I put these in the group last week and I put the definitions there and what it is. So you need to understand that if you're going to be a person who employs resiliency, you want to have it built up in your life, you need to go and read and find out what permanence is and what it does. You need to go and read about pervasiveness and how it works in your life and how it lets you uh, view setbacks and other things that don't just, one thing happening over here doesn't just affect everything in your life. Absolutely. And then you need to read about personalization. And then one of the things that we, we didn't say last week that we'll talk about this week is this whole idea of of, of how people talk to themselves, how they explain things to themselves. Uh, and part of that was that permanence, that, that, that pervasiveness and that personalization. But the other piece was, as I was reading this week, when we talk about resiliency, we know resiliency, that word doesn't just show up in the Bible, but the examples of resiliency shows up all over the place. And so I was reading this week about some, some studies people had done and the best way I can describe it is they did what was called a meta-analysis. And basically what they did is they took a bunch of studies about resiliency. And based on all of these individual studies, and maybe like 50 to 75 different studies, they then took all of those studies and combined them together and then did an analysis of all of those combined. And what they found was there were three things that showed up in resilient people, and it didn't matter what their religion was, it didn't matter what their education level was. It didn't matter what their gender was. It didn't matter what their race or ethnicity was. That there were these three common things that showed up. And, and I think it's important because we know that we can learn fr from, fr from looking at what other successful people do. Now, there are some things that, you know, like I'm a, I'm a Christian. So if, if you're something else and you're doing something else, I can learn from you and still not be what you are. I can I can eat how do you say I can eat the I can eat the hay and, and, and spit out the sticks. And so in doing this research, I was looking at this, and here's here's something that we found. Resilient people have a positive image of the future. One of the things they found was that people who were resilient had a positive image of the future. And I was thinking, how do we get to have a positive image of the future? And I, my mind raced back to Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Lord. And what are they? They are thoughts of 
hope and a future. Yep. To give you an expected end. An expected end. I probably so, missed a couple of translations but, but, like that. That's okay. You, we, the, the point is, we have the ability to have a positive image of the future because we rely on what God says he's thinking about us. Well, and this should be easy for the believer because we walk by faith. It should be easy for the believer when we walk by faith. Okay. It should be easy for the believer when we walk, <laughs> when we walk, when by, we walk faith. by faith. You know, I remember when, um, you know, Dr. D.D. Freeman, you know, several years ago, Dr. Mike ended up really, really mm -hmm. sick. And Dr. D.D., she said, you don't focus on the process. You focus on the promise. Mm -hmm. You don't focus on the process. You focus on the promise. And the promise is that future image. It's that future image. It's what God said. And so when it was over and they were interviewing her and they asked her, how did she not lose hope? And she said this right here. It ties in with what you're saying. She said she had already seen her and Dr. Mike grow old. So she knew his story could not end yep. in that hospital. Yep. We focus on the promise not the process. We see people, they say things like, I don't want to go back to school because it's going to take seven years. Well, did you intend to die in the next seven right, years? Right. You're going to be here, right? Right. Go back to school, right? So resilient people have a positive image on the future because they're looking at something that allows them to walk through the process. No woman in the world would ever get pregnant if they would not for the expectation of holding that baby. Yep. No, I, there is no way that you would yeah. let your feet swell, cramp yeah. like that, contractions, can't sleep, got to pee all the time. You do that because you have a positive image of the future, yeah. which is being able to hold this baby. Right. Guys, if you want to be resilient, you got to focus a lot less on what you're doing right now and why you're doing it, what's on the other end of it. And that's why we tell people that their imagination is so important. Your imagination allows you to paint on the canvas of your life what God has said to yes. you about you and about your life. So that when tough times come, you can still have that positive image of the future because you have a vision. Dr. Didi said she had already saw her and Pastor Mike being old. So, yes, she had feelings while he was in that hospital, but she didn't focus on the feelings. She focused on the image of them being old. Say that one more time. She didn't. She, she had, had feelings. feelings. Anybody who, who the doctors are saying, we got to try this last thing. If this doesn't work, we don't know what we're going to do. The, you would, it would be insane to say she didn't have any feelings. But she didn't walk by her feelings. She walked by the vision she had already seen from God, which was her and her husband sharing their, their latter years together. So she knew the story couldn't end. Yes. So one of the three things they said that all resilient people have That's is the good. ability to see the future in a positive light. Mm -hmm. The second thing they said was that resilient people are empathetic and compassionate. They do not waste time worrying about what other people think of them. They are in, they are empathetic and they are compassionate, but they don't spend a lot of time focused on what other people think about them. And I thought that was really good. That's not to say that 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 I don't we don't we don't take care of our hygiene because we don't care what people think. That's stupid. That's stupid. What it says is is that if God has told me to do a thing, I am more committed to God than what you say about me while I'm obeying God. And I think that is so that that is a form of resiliency that a lot of people simply do not have. They will allow friends, 
and family and well-meaning people to talk them out of obeying God so that they can basically get the approval of those who are in their company. And they said that resilient people don't do that. And the way they do that is they maintain healthy relationships. They do not bow to peer pressure, especially from bullies and those who seek to manipulate them. Resilient people don't bow to bullies. You're not going to talk me out of tithing by telling me I'm crazy by giving my money to that church. You're not going to do it. I know what God has said. You're not going to bully me into thinking that fasting and praying don't work. You're not going to intimidate or manipulate me by saying, look, I'm more prosperous than you and I don't tie. I don't pray. I don't go to church. I can't control what you do. I can control what I do and what you won't do is, is bully me. I have compassion for you. I I'm, in, I'm empathetic to you, but what I'm not going to do is waste my time worrying about what you're doing and you're not going to talk me out of what I'm doing. Resilient people don't let people talk them out of their faith. That's right. Resilient people do not let people talk in fact, them out you of their say faith. That. Say, I will not allow well-meaning people to talk me out of my faith. I do not let people talk me out of my faith. I will not allow well-meaning people. And sometimes they are well, sometimes they're not, but sometimes they're well-meaning. But I will not let well-meaning people talk me out of my faith. Here's why well-meaning people try to talk us out of our faith. Because they don't have none. But go ahead. <laughs> yes. But really, one of the reasons well-meaning people try to talk us out of our faith is that they don't want us to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And they don't want us to be hurt. And so when you come up with a big God-sized idea, first of all, it's impossible unless God mm -hmm. helps you. So what those people try to do is get you to dummy down the vision because they're trying to avoid you being hurt. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be upset with them. You can just simply say, I know what God told mm -hmm. me. Now, I always got to say this when it comes to faith. It is not faith just because you want it. Right. It is not faith just because you want it. Faith starts with a word mm -hmm. from God, mm -hmm. not a word in your feelings. And so many times what people do, because I see, I think this is important to say, is that literally someone will decide they want to marry someone. God has told him that that is not the person. Everybody who respects, who they respect has told them that that's not the person. But they're mm -hmm. like, my, my faith is that this is the person. Now, this is when you're using resilience in the wrong way and the stubbornness, right? Mm -hmm. You can't make, you can't bully, just like we don't let people bully us you out of our bully faith. Other people. You can't bully God into saying something he didn't say. That's right. You can't bully God into blessing a relationship he didn't bless. That's right. You can't bully God into, you may get a house that he didn't give mm -hmm. you, but you can't bully God into providing for a house that he didn't give you. That's right. Faith starts where the will of God is known and the will of God starts with the word of God. So when God is telling you to do something, he's not contradicting himself. For example, God isn't telling all the rest of us to tithe and telling you not to. That's right. God isn't telling all the rest of us not to have sex outside of marriage and telling you that it's okay because he you understand. in love. He understands. Right. God isn't telling all the rest of us to be excellent at work and telling you to sit at home and watch Family Feud and a million dollars go show up. That is not what God does. So yes, we want to make sure that when we're in this position of faith, that we're actually in faith and not in presumption and not in foolishness because we don't have the right to demand from God to do and provide what he never said. Absolutely. So, so the, so the study says that 
Resilient people have a positive image of the future. They are empathetic and compassionate. And then lastly, resilient people never think of themselves as victims. This is what you were saying earlier. People who are resilient don't view themselves as victims because the, seeing yourself as a victim says you're helpless. And resilient people don't do that. What they do is they focus their time and energy on changing the things that they have control over. That's that whole personalization mentality. They see themselves as winners, even if they are currently losing a fight. Even if they are currently losing a fight, they still see themselves as winners. They don't see themselves as victims. When something happens to them, they don't see themselves as a victim. They understand that I'm still winning even though this thing has happened to me. And how we view adversity strongly affects how we succeed. It's one of the most significant reasons that having a resilient mindset built with a foundation in the word of God is so incredibly important. Why? Because I don't always get to control what happens to me, but I can always always choose how i respond i can always choose how always I respond. choose how i can I always choose how i respond you need to understand i love this one right here you are not a victim yep. say that say i am not a victim i am and not a many victim. of you you have had things happen to you and you don't even realize you live as a victim mm -hmm. you are not a victim so for the person who this is resonating with right now you need to break up with the victim mentality I am not a victim. That doesn't mean I've never had anything bad happens to me. It means I am not a victim. Right. It doesn't mean that I've never been disappointed. It means I am not a victim. I am not a victim because when a person sees themselves as a victim, if someone sees themselves as a victim, what they believe is that it's someone else's job to rescue them and they have no power over what happens to them. That last part. They, they have, have no power, power over what happens yes. to them. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. I am not a victim. I'm not a victim. God put too much in me for me to be a victim. Yeah. I am not a victim. I'm not a victim. I, I'm winning no matter what I no matter what the situation currently is. I'm still winning because in Christ I win. Thanks be to God that did what? Gave us the victory. And we got the victory through Christ Jesus. Jesus says in John 16:33 in the Amplifier, remember, he says, and my victory is abiding. So, so if, if, if his victory abides and I'm in him, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, I have to realize that I'm still winning. I am still winning. If you really believe, Romans you believe, said all things if you work believe. together. I don't see how it's working together, but all things work together to them who are called to the Lord and love him and live according to his purpose. It's working on my behalf. And it's okay to say it don't seem like I'm winning, but I'm winning. It, 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 I'm winning. I, I'm winning. I'm it, winning. It may not seem, because sometimes you have, David said, the Bible says David encouraged himself. And sometimes to encourage yourself in the Lord, you have to say, you know what? You're right. It don't look like I'm winning, devil, but I'm in Christ. Jesus, I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. And because I'm winning, I am not a victim. And because I'm not a victim, I'm not going to use self-sabotaging language to convince myself that I'm something that I'm not. I'm not going to convince myself that I'm a victim when I am a winner. I am an overcomer. Yes. And the reality of it is, is that when I know that I'm an overcomer, 
This is what we used to say this all the time. When I know that I'm a winner, it can't be over till I win. Right. When I really know that I'm a winner, it can't be over until I win. So if it looks like I get to something that's final, but I didn't have the victory, there's something else to the story. Mm -hmm. There's something else that God is doing. If I get to the end of something and it looks like I lost, that's not the end. Mm -hmm. That is not the end. It's not over till I win. Well, this, this is true. You know, Tanya did a really good job, I think, Tanya McCoy, of giving us updates as we were praying for Rod, as we continue to still pray for Rod's full recovery. But but on the days that she would, she would give us those reports and it wasn't better than the day before, like maybe he had a day where it was a setback a little bit. On those days, those are the days I would say, you know what? I, I understand what the report said, but that ain't what God said. That ain't what God says at the end. So, so if if he if if he went forward and then had to go back, he's gonna make two steps forward because God says that's not how Rod's story ends. That his story is that he's back with his wife and his children and living a full, healthy life. And, and if I've seen that vision, then I don't care what the report is. I listen to it so I know what to pray, but I also understand what God said, and that's what I'm focused on. And that's what I'm I'm focused on. I'm focused on the I'm focused on ever that increasing victory. Yes. You better learn how to focus on what God yes. said, no matter what, yes. because faith is a power source. Yes. And literally, what faith does is that when I choose to believe God, no matter what. It will take something that is impossible and make it my reality. Yes. In, in the natural, yes. it's no way it should turn and it should work that way. But because I refuse to let my faith go, my faith starts creating what did not exist mm -hmm. before. I'm telling you, if you ever understand what it means to walk by faith, you will never let anyone take your faith again because in the natural, this is what you're limited to, to. But with faith, all things are possible. So maybe other people didn't walk out this situation and maybe nobody else who was a single mother has ever bought a house by herself. And maybe nobody else whose Come marriage on. was in yes. infidelity ever came Come back on. and lived days of heaven on earth. On. And maybe nobody else who didn't have yeah. this education got promoted in the company. But I have a word from God and I'm going to use that word of God to pressure my situation see here's the thing the enemy sends situations to pressure me mm -hmm. but what happens is I put pressure on the pressure mm -hmm. I use the word of God to put pressure on the pressure yep. so you're trying to pressure me and make me think that I can't have what God said now I start using what God said to force what you said be a lie because the Bible says let God be true and let every mm -hmm. man be a liar so if I gotta choose between who's lying God or the doctor the doctor a lie the doctor a lie the doctor yeah, a lie yeah. he's doing the best he can but he's but, just but he's still lying I got a physician who's never lost a patient who's never lost and I'm going to trust in God and I'm going to trust in God and for those of you who will choose to be resilient you will literally find yourself a year from now standing in things that did not seem possible and other people said weren't possible and some of the same people that were mocking you will come and sit at your feet and ask you how you did it. Ask me how I know. And what used to would bring you to your knees and have you laying in the bed crying and contemplating whether life should go on, you will now be able to whip it in a matter of moments. Why? Because you've learned to use God's word and God's word is stronger than any situation you could ever it face. Is, the whole world is being upheld by his word. 
so your world can be upheld by his absolutely, word. Absolutely, absolutely. And so one of the things that we talked about, uh, we didn't talk about, that we, we'll, we'll probably get to it next week, uh, is, this, is this idea that God literally lays out for us in Psalms 37. In Psalms 37, God lays out for us uh, this ability to take his word and use them literally as stepping stones to build our resiliency. And what I'll do, I'll, I'll read Psalms 37. We won't go through all seven of the steps. We can use those for next week if you like. But that I want be one. But, but, but I want you, <laughs> but I want you, I want you to see this. So let's take a look at Psalms 37, verse 1 uh, through 13. Let's just read this. It says, now notice what he's saying because these really are instructions. And if you view them as instructions, then you will be able to see that that through here there are seven different things that God gives us. That if we'll use them, they'll help to build our resiliency. He says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. That's one. He says, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and they shall wither as the green herb. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. So there you were talking about trusting God. So you trust in the Lord. Doing good is to obey God, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to profit you. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Verse four says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of thine heart. Verse five says, commit thy ways unto the Lord. Now that's, that's huge. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And as you always say, if you see something show up two or three times, it's probably pretty important. So he keeps talking about trusting in him. He says, and he shall do what? Bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And that word patiently doesn't mean just sitting around not doing anything. We know that word literally is translated consistent. He says, so rest in the Lord and wait being consistent. He says, fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. In other words, don't worry about those people who it seems like they're prospering because they're doing it a different way. He says, cease from your anger. He says, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, don't be contemplating, you know, well, maybe if I stop tithing, if I stop praying, if I stop believing, then, then maybe it'll work out for me like it's maybe working Maybe if I give me an OnlyFans. Right, right, right. He says, don't freak yourself. You got to use examples <laughs> that the saints really be thinking right. about, babe. <laughs> no, I, that's why I got you here. He says, fret not thyself in any wise to get an OnlyFans. <laughs> he says, for evildoers shall be cut off. He said, but those that wait upon the Lord, those who are consistent in what I've called them to do, they shall inherit the whole earth. Verse 10 then says, for yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be. Verse 11 says, but the meek shall inherit the earth. And we'll talk about this next week, but meek don't mean being lowly and, and cowardly. He says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace, the abundance of nothing missing, nothing broken. He says, the wicked, they plot against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. But I love verse 13. The Lord shall laugh at him. 
for he seeth that his day is coming. God, literally, God is like, I know it seems like you're losing. I know it seems like it would be an easier way to do it than the way I'm calling you to do it. You know, the Bible says that wide is the way that leadeth to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leadeth to righteousness. He says, listen, I know that it would be easier for you if you went and did it this way. He says, but wait on me. Do it my way. Trust in me. Love on me. Don't be fretful about the evildoers. He says, because just know while all of this is stuff going on, I'm laughing at them because I know if they don't change, what's going to happen? He said, and I also know what I'm going to bring to you if you do it my way. And so we've got these seven steps that we can talk about next week. But I'm telling you, part of being resilient is this idea of building up your foundation on the word of God. Well, it's so important to obey God. I was thinking about this. Um, you know, the Lord gave me a word a year ago and about once a month he asked me to share it. And he says that it's going to be the seemingly insignificant instruction. Mm -hmm. Resilient people are committed to the seemingly insignificant instructions. I told you yesterday morning when I woke up, I had a dream. And in that dream, I dreamed that I was in a White House. And I was in this White House and there were these people in the house that I didn't know, but there were a bunch of little kids playing in the front yard of the house. And I was in this house and I was being pursued by a stalker. And so I was going to go to a, you weren't there. Nobody that I really knew was there, but I was going to go to a hotel because I felt that it would be safer and I didn't want to put those kids at risk that were playing in the front yard, right? This lady that I didn't really know looks at me and she says, no matter what you do, stay in the house. And so the stalker shows up and those little kids become warring angels. And I, when I woke up, I was like, what does that mean? And it was like, there are things that God tells us to do and it doesn't look like it's wise to do it. It doesn't seem like it makes sense to do it. Mm -hmm. And in that case, in my dream, I wanted to be disobedient in an attempt to protect somebody else. Mm -hmm. But he, this lady, she said, whatever you do, stay in this house. Whatever you do, stay in your place of obedience. Mm -hmm. Stay in your place of obedience when people understand. Stay when they don't. Stay when they cheer for you. Stay when they yep. don't. Stay when you yep. want to leave. And it was so crazy to me because literally those, I remember those little babies, they were little kids and they were, you know, three, four years old, paper and car age, playing with trucks in the driveway, right? But when that when that stalker crossed that threshold, they literally just rose up and be transformed into angels. I am telling you that the Bible says there will be some times that you look like you are a sheep led to slaughter, but God is there to help you. You need to stay in the place of obedience mm -hmm. because your victory, the most resilience you could develop is to say, I'm going to stay where God told me That's to stay. I'm going to do what God told me to do. Learn to drop anchor. I'm, no, I like that. I'm going to drop anchor. I'm going to tie even when it looks like it's not safe yep. for my family to do it. Yep. I'm going to fast even when it looks like it's not producing anything. Yep. I'm going to read this word even when I would rather be asleep. I'm going to stay in my place of obedience because they're literally those of us. Pastor Edwin gave us this wonderful word at the beginning of the year about, hey, don't forget what God promised us. 
Don't forget what God promised us. It's still a year of increase. It's still a year of provision. It's still a year of favor. It's still a year of protection. Yep. You got to stay in the place that God is telling you. Don't try to do. You see in that dream, it seems like it would have been a noble thing for me to leave those that house it's and not enter those kids. It's never noble to disobey God. It is never noble to disobey God. It is never the right thing to obey, to disobey God. And I just feel like, I know we're going to teach about the rest of this next week, but what's the practical thing you could do right now? You could draw a line in the sand today with your obedience. Mm -hmm. Some of you right now, there are things that you are facing. And in the natural, it seems like you should do something other than what God said. Tell your neighbor, drop your anchor and do what God said. Drop your anchor and do what God has said. Drop your anchor and do what God said. Amen. Stick with what God said. And I promise you, when you least expect it, it's going to work for your good. And then here's the great thing about God. On the other end, on the other end of the dream, when the kids become angels, right? I now understand why he wanted me to stay in the house. Mm, God doesn't always is. tell us. God doesn't always tell us why he wants to do something a certain way. Why he doesn't want us to buy the car right now. Why he does want us to buy the car right now. Why he wants us to take the promotion. Why he doesn't want us to take the promotion. But if you will drop your anchor and do what he says, you will be preserved in this next season. You will be protected. You will be redeemed and you will live a good life even in the midst of trouble. And let me parenthetically insert this. Not only does God not always tell us, he doesn't have to. Well, say he, that. He's not required he's to. He's not required to. Uh, if, if he has to tell you everything, it's not really even faith. You don't have to have faith for what you can see. Faith is God told me to do this. The fact that he said it is good enough for me. And so there are times he will reveal to you why, but God is not obligated to tell you why. He didn't tell, he, 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 there are many, many occasions in the Bible where he told someone to do something and, 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 and he didn't tell them all the reasons for doing it. But when they got there, they found out what those reasons were. And many times they were preserved through their obedience. And so that's what we're, our prayer is for you, that you will obey God, that God may preserve you through your obedience. Your obedience will preserve you. Mm -hmm. Your obedience is a, is a preservative. It will preserve you in trouble. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So listen, maybe your first step of obedience today is that you realize that you have never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, mm -hmm. or you realize that you have been in a backslidden state. You know, Pastor Elvin and I and Pastor Ralph, we committed to really calling people back home because the reality of it is, is that we know that it is possible for you to be in church doing church stuff with your heart far from God. Mm -hmm. So we're asking you to consider, ask the Holy Spirit right now, am I in a good place with the Father? Am I in a good place? Am I born again? Am I in a backslidden state? If I am right standing. And if he says you need to come home, come home. Come home. Come home. And I'm going to say it. I, I was telling Pastor Sean, I'm going to say it like this. Come home to the kingdom. But then if you're supposed to be at Fellowship of Champions, come home here. Partnership has its privileges. There are some things that God has for you, but, but you won't see them until you fully connect 
with the place God has called you. He's called you home to the kingdom. He's calling you home. That's his reconciliation. But if he has told you that you are supposed to be a partner with Fellowship of Champions, you can't allow the fact that your grandma's church, where you grew up, where you may have grown up, is, is, is where you're still staying when you're supposed to be here. Connect where God has told you to connect to. And I think that's so important for people. And I'll add this. Don't be a partner and then don't participate. Yes. Because don't, don't because in order to get the benefits, you got to walk through the process. Yes. And so some of you, you actually are partners of Fellowship of Champion, but you still aren't doing the things that you need to be doing to prosper. Mm -hmm. Right. So come home to Jesus because it don't do any good to come home to come us home and not to be home to Jesus. Yes. It don't do any good to be on to have your name on the roll and it's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then if you're supposed to be a partner of Fellowship of Champions, fill out the virtual form and become a partner. Fully connect. Right. And if you are a partner, fully connect. Because contrary to popular belief, wherever you sit in church, you're responsible for the word that mm -hmm. you get. And when you're missing services, not participating, and not because you're working, just because you don't feel like mm -hmm. doing it, then you're missing the instruction that you're supposed to have, mm -hmm. right? And you know that one of the things that we're believing for at Fellowship of Champions, we're believing for a church that's 100% tithers. Yes. And the reason that we're believing for a church that's 100% tithers is because a church that that's 100% tithers can make a big impact in the world. And let's be honest, if you would trust God with your money, you can trust him with other things. The reason you struggle trusting God in other areas of your life is because you don't trust him with what you deem is really valuable, which is your money. Which is your money. It Listen, with this church has been such a blessing to so many people in this pandemic. Mm -hmm. We have been able to do so many things for people in this pandemic. Your tithe is going to so many amazing causes. Mm -hmm. We are feeding people. We are keeping people from being evicted. We keep people's yep. lights on. We give people gas. We get people's cars repaired. Medication. We, medication, helping people with school supplies. This ministry is good ground. And because of your faithful generosity, we've been able to keep our payroll going for the entire time that we have been on in this pandemic and let right me say, and let me say this the more we find ourselves helping the more resources we find coming in yes and i need you to know that you have a right to put a demand on that as well because you are the ones giving so as you give and we be a we're a blessing to others and the ministry is growing financially you mm -hmm. need to be making a demand to grow financially don't just be like well i'm just happy to give i don't expect anything in return that's not biblical that's, that's not biblical. A, 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 a farmer always expects a return a farmer always expects to have a return on the seed that they put in the ground. And those of you who have been faithfully, and I'm telling you, we've got some faithful, faithful partners. You have been, uh, you've been doing that over and over and over. And as you are doing that, you need to make sure that you are calling that harvest in because I'm telling you, you have a right to it. Do we have a mailing address for sowing? Dexter, send me a message. I'll send you a mailing address. Um, so listen. Let me tell you something, though, because I think it's important because we're talking about being resilient. Partnership has its privileges. Right. So when we're talking about listen, so when we say things like this ministry is keeping people from getting evicted, your face should be that you'll always have a place to stay because yeah, you're doing it. If you're tired, if you're tired, if you're participating in this, yes. then what we are doing, you have an expectation that it will happen in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So you give and then you expect God to supply whatever needs you have, right? Because that's what God does. Yes. And what he does for all of us who are faithful tithers is that he measures and pours back to us our collective tithe. Mm not our individual time. Praise right? God for that. Praise God for that. So we have scholarships going. Yep. We have kids that are not having not having to take out as much debt because of, and our goal is to get to the point that we're doing full scholarships. We're helping people with their cars. We're helping people not be evicted. Medicine, groceries. What do you have need of? Tithe and put a demand mm -hmm. on in word mm -hmm. to be supplied. So we love you guys. Yeah. So let's just run through our announcement real quick. You know, tomorrow is Monday and we have strategies for success at 12 noon. On Tuesday, we have Tuesday night prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, really encourage you to get on Tuesday night prayer. We have started going through our uh, confessions from earlier in the year, as well as our confessions for Brother Rod. Uh, Tanya has been giving us updates. He's getting stronger and better every day. Uh, and we can't wait to have a big celebration when he is fully uh, home and back with the family. On Wednesday nights, you can join us for Refresh Bible Study. Pastor Ralph has been doing some dynamic teaching uh, the last several weeks. You don't want to miss that. Um, it's at 8 p.m. Again, that is Central Standard Time. All of our times are Central Standard Time, so you have to make the adjustment for where you are. But you want to join us for Refresh Bible Study midweek. It's just another opportunity to grow in the Word. And then on Thursday nights, we have Ignite. It happens at 7 p.m. Ignite is for our teens. And of course, we have Victory Zone that is on demand. Uh, we ask our parents to allow your littles to, to watch those videos. And they can watch them over and over. They can go back and watch previous videos. Uh, you know, they're, they're interactive. And uh, we know that they don't learn everything in one sitting. So while you're trying to get the word on Wednesday nights, it's a great time to have your littles um, on their tablets or something, uh, also getting the word. And then on Friday mornings, uh, we wake up and we collectively come together before we start our work day, uh, at least in, in this time zone, at 6.30 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. Uh, and I just got to say, I, I say it again, shout out to our West Coast partners. Uh, you guys show up <laughs> all the time at 4.30 a.m. Uh, for Friday morning prayer. And I know when I was in Vegas, uh, and had to get up at, at, at 430. That was a little tough. Uh, that was tough. So so salute to our West Coast partners who are there at 438 a.m. Uh, on Fridays. Of course, on Saturdays, we ask you to spend time resting, relaxing, and rejuvenating, spending time with your family. And then we ask you to join us back here on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, Pastor Chris and Elder Valley uh, lead us into worship. And if you haven't liked her page, make sure you go and do that. Uh, and if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, we, if you're saying, you know, I'm not getting the notifications for, for Pastor Chris's page, or I'm not getting the notifications for some pages that I used to get notifications for, you actually need to go in and check your settings. Uh, when Facebook pushed the update out, it kind of put everybody back out of default where you saw some videos, but not, not every time everybody went live and you'll have to change those settings. Uh, I believe that Pastor Chris and I did too, and several pages put the instructions on how to do that. So uh, you can go to the FOC virtual group, or you can go to the FOC uh, page, or you can go to the FOC uh, Northwest group. We have several places we put that information. Uh, and if you can't find it, inbox me. I can copy and paste and send it to you if you need to redo your settings. And then, of course, at 930, we'll be back here next week. 
me and my beautiful wife, Pastor Sean Strickland. Uh, we'll be back here next week. And we're going to be talking about the seven uh, principles that we, that we glean out of Psalms 37. So I encourage you this week to read Psalms 37. You may come up with 15 things that the Lord has told you to do uh, in order to build your resiliency. Remember, it's, got, it's going to take more than what we just give you on Sunday. It's going to take more than what Pastor Raph just gives you on Wednesday. It's going to take more than just you listen to Pastor Chris sing on Sunday morning. You have to dedicate some time every day to meditating on God's word, even if it's nothing more than, okay, Lord, how do I develop today the challenge mentality? Give me opportunities to develop it. You know, and he'll give you opportunities for that day. And the next day, okay, Lord, how do I develop uh, the personalization mentality? Or whatever it is that you want to get better at, Ask God to give you a chance to do that and then find your scripture, study your word about how you can get better. And if you do that, I promise you, I promise you, things will get better in your life. Amen. Amen. I want to do something. I feel like the Lord, we go in with this right here. If you're still here, if you stay to the end, I noticed we had over 100 something people and now yep. we're down to 77. If you still here, I want you to, to let us know in the comments that you're still here because I'm going to release a blessing of honor because you stayed to the end. Mm. I'm going to release a blessing of honor, but I need you. I know some of you don't normally comment, but you need to say, I'm still here. 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 That's right. Because what we're going to do is I'm going to release a blessing because the Bible says that when you, I love it. Some of uh, you, I'm still here. I am still here. Yeah. And I want you to take by faith what I am about to release over your life. The Bible says yeah. that when we honor, the men and women of God, mm -hmm. that we are entitled to the blessing that's on their life. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who stayed to the end, mm -hmm. even when you thought it's just announcements yeah. and I can get them somewhere else, but you said, I'm going to stay anyway. I, receive. I release the blessing that is on our lives to flow in your life. Amen. I declare wow. that Amen. wherever you are supposed to be honored, yes. Wherever favor belongs to you, wherever provision has been set for you, I declare that the honor that is on Edwin and Sean Strickland will flow on your life because you have been faithful and honored God and honored us. And we appreciate you for that. And so we release the blessing. Amen. Even now, God is putting you on the names and the hearts of people in rooms you are not in. He is setting you up. He is moving you to the front of the line because you need to know this. In the kingdom, one of the most serious components is honor. It's honor. honor is a mm -hmm. serious component. And when you have the wherewithal to say, I'm going to stay to the end just in case they might say something else that changes my life. Today is that day. Today is I day. declare that the same honor that is on our life, the same favor that is on our Amen. life, the same anointing. Hear what I'm about to say. The anointing to make money that's on our life, that it come to you now in Jesus name. Father, you said that if they bless mm. us, you mm. would bless them. Mm. And Father, we are saying that they have blessed us by staying on this live. They have blessed us by being yes. honorable. They have blessed mm. us by being faithful. Mm. They have blessed us. Now, Father, we ask you to bless them the way you bless us in Jesus', in Jesus name. name. Amen. 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 Amen
Amen. Amen. I hope y'all receive Amen. That. I hope you receive Amen. That. Amen. Glory to Amen. God. Glory Amen. To God. Amen. 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 And I want you to understand this. One of the fastest ways to get accelerated in the kingdom of God is to be honorable. Be honorable. Is to be honorable. Is to be honorable. Is to be honorable. You know, if you go to Marvel movies, when you go to Marvel movies, you yeah. always stay till the yeah. credits roll. Yeah. Because a Marvel movie is always going to have something at the end. It's always somebody who we know don't really know Marvel movies because they get up and they walk out and they miss they that. Miss it. And they miss they that. Miss but let me tell you something. My prayer for you this week, My and God. I love Sheila said, you ought to open up 13 seconds of prayer. My prayer for you this week is the favor that rests on the Stricklands. And God has been good to he us. Has been. But let me tell you something. God has been good to us because we practice the we principle do. of honor. Yep. And I'm telling you that God, we are asking that heaven honor you because you honored us mm -hmm. today. Because you honored us today. That is our prayer for you. Amen. Send us your testimonies because they're coming. They're coming. Send us your testimonies because they're coming. They're coming. Send us your testimonies because yes. they're coming. Yes. Send. God is turning a work situation right now. He's turning a family situation right now. He's turning oh, a money on. situation yes. right now. Yes. He is I love it. See, that's yes. why you got to be here from yes. God. Josh said, I was about to leave when y'all started the announcement, but something, it wasn't mm -hmm. something with the Holy mm -hmm. Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost that told you to stay mm -hmm. because honor. Understand this, guys. It's one thing to leave because you got to go to work. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to leave. It's another thing to say, I'm just tired of them talking yep. and, I'm, and yep. I'm about to go. Yep. Right? I'm telling you, if you will learn to be honorable, if you will be honorable on your job, if you will be honorable to your parents, even if your parents haven't been the best, if you will be honorable to your man and woman, God, the Bible says you can't even receive the anointing that's on our life if you don't honor us. You may not like that, but we can't even receive what's on the Brazelton's life if we don't honor them. It's how that's why God says He won't be mocked. Mm -hmm. He says you you can show up and try to pretend like you a partner, but I'm gonna test your honor. Mm -hmm. And if you're honorable, you have a right to what's on our life. Mm -hmm. So everybody who stayed and was honorable, you got it. What's on us? It's on you. It doesn't mean you do the same things we do. It just means wherever God has called you, that same honor, that same favor, that same provision, that same protection is with you. Yep. And I bless you for doing that. Amen. It means a lot to us when you do it that. It does. It means a lot to us. It does. So we love you and we believe that we receive. Send us your testimonies. Amen. Send, <laughs> sing your testimonies. Don't be like the lepers, the nine who went away. Sing your testimonies because right. you go have them. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all be blessed. Yeah, baby, y'all be blessed. <laughs>